Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Influential Times. As always, I'm joined by Jack. Hi everyone. I don't know about you, but it's episode 22. <laughs> um, so yeah, for my first story this week, shock, I'm going to be talking about Clubhouse. because I know our listeners would be gutted if we didn't give a, a monthly Clubhouse update. Um, to mine and Jack's delight, Clubhouse opened up to Android users in May. Um, which I don't know about you, Jack, but it kind of feels like they've missed the boat a little bit because it seems like a lot of Android users jumped to Twitter spaces in the interim and they maybe have lost a little bit of momentum there. Yeah, it's, I guess they're slightly victims of their own success, weren't they? Um, that the initial sort of growth was so meteoric, mm. um, that they're maybe going to struggle to recover that, even though they've actually got a pretty respectable number of, of users, um, I guess we don't have visibility over the monthly active users number, so that's yeah. probably the information I'd be guarding quite closely if I were them for now, in case it's not not looking too pretty. But yeah, it's interesting. Is it's like one of those where they've been so successful that all the other bigger platforms have jumped on it, and perhaps they're now fighting to to keep up with those bigger platforms. But but yeah, but my, my story isn't actually about that. It's uh, it's about the fact they've announced uh, Creator First which is actually a pilot of a essentially a creator-led audio show. Um, they announced this last week, um, and they've they've effectively picked out a kind of cohort of 50 finalists um, who they're basically going to give a lot of um, technical, financial, and promotional support to kind of pilot a season um, of, of these shows. Um, so effectively how it's going to work is each creator will get $5,000 and supposedly all the tech support they need to affect to essentially put on a show um and the topics and genres are quite broad so you've got everything from interactive game shows cultural and historical discussions there's hair and beauty apparently that was one of the more popular categories and there's even a site in audio yeah 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 the audio is it's it's interesting um and then even a, a psychic ability development show so any of those tickle your fancy jack all of them sign me up sign me up for every single one ha of them hair and beauty i imagine would be would be up there i mean ab absolutely of course do you even need to ask um, <laughs> i suppose it, it's interesting there's kind of two sides to that isn't there that in one sense great that you know the money is immediately going to creators i think you know you you get what you pay for in terms of content quality and if you put a bit of money behind it i think creators will surprise you if they have the sort of time and uh, space and the and the tools to to produce something really exciting. I think they will. I suppose the interesting yeah. thing is that they're also by default admitting they're a publisher. They're a sort of you know, lots of social platforms really struggle with that question. Like, are we responsible for what's on our platform? Mm. Because we're not the publisher, we're just the host. But if you pay for it, if you're paying that person, then surely you're going to be responsible. You know, if someone in, in the I don't know in the psychic ability development conversation is saying something really unacceptable it's going to be pretty hard to act like it's nothing to do with you and you're just the conduit mm. so um, a yeah. bit of a double-edged sword for them potentially yeah no it's an interesting one an interesting i guess diversification perhaps due to like we said the number of players getting getting involved i think looking at it the probably the only platform that's going to really rival them in this area is probably spotify i know on the last update i was talking around the um spotify's sort of route into um the the live audio um i think they're they're going a bit more down this route as well a bit more around sort of shows and obviously one of their big objectives is to help their big 
um, sort of database, I guess, of of creators and musicians and people like that to to connect better with their audience. Um, so I think definitely shows will be the route that they go down, um, and perhaps yeah, Spotify will be the one to watch out for in this in this area. So so yeah, some interesting updates there. I think Jack, you've got some some Twitter updates on their subscription announcement. Yes, um, Twitter watchers, other other people who are sort of watching closely, um, you know, wrote an article for the Analytical blog recently about about Twitter, and I I sort of think they're quietly having a pretty good last six months to a year. Um, so the the sort of subscription service has basically been listed in the in the App Store. Uh, it's not really live yet. Someone has signed up. There's a there's a lady who always ends up uh, signing up first um to to these things and is usually the one it's a uh, jane mansion wong who's kind of always the first one onto this kind of thing but she spotted it um it's part of an interesting little suite you know i think at the beginning people were when when they sort of announced the subscription service there was a lot of skepticism but i think as it's starting to take space take shape rather what that could actually include i think there's potentially quite an interesting service there where you're sort of paying Maybe to to sort of have the edit button for 30 seconds after you send a tweet. Maybe you're paying. Um, they they bought Scroll, which is a service which helps you read content uh, ad free on on sites that sort of partner with Scroll. So you can see how if you're sort of quite a heavy user of Twitter, there's maybe an interesting little package if you're sort of paying a small amount to have you know paywall free ad free access to a lot of your favorite publications. You know I, I could kind of see. I could see that being worthwhile. Um, you know, Twitter's sort of famously addictive for for the people who are into it. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to to keep an eye on it. I don't know, have any of the features that they that they're sort of announcing particularly caught your eye? Is there one that you could see yourself mm. popping in your two pound forty nine for? Yeah, not not really. I mean, I've probably got more, I guess, concerns with some of them than ones that are jumping out at me. I think the edit the edit button has always been a bit of a contentious issue hasn't it because people always say oh, i wish i could edit a tweet but actually when you start thinking about the implications of it it could get a bit messy i know there's a lot of issues on facebook where people post in a group a certain opinion on something and then obviously people comment saying oh this is amazing and then you can edit it to say pretty much whatever you want and then how does that look for the people who've commented um so i've always been a bit skeptical about the kind of edit button so from what i've heard about the edit button it's it's likely i think they were they were sort of saying it's going to be a bit more like uh, a lot of messaging apps but facebook's messenger for example gives you a little window to undo after sending in case you send to the wrong person yeah so I think it could be a little bit editing. more like that yeah you've got like 30 seconds to look at it and if you spot the typo then then you've you've sort of got a window a bit um, like the one minute delay on my emails which frustrates me every day <laughs> yeah even if you're probably the, the the moment you need it though you're glad oh yeah yeah every every now and then it, it comes in handy yeah absolutely absolutely saves you um so you you had uh you had one more story that you were gonna share yeah mine's twitter as well um the news that came out around verification so you know everyone obviously is constantly talking about you know getting a blue tick um and and how you can do that i, I was actually quite interested that they there's 360,000 verified accounts i thought in my head there'd be quite a few more than that um and it's always worked in the way that twitter would almost approach the individuals um who have a certain size following and they try and verify them sort of proactively 
because I guess mm. some people probably aren't aren't as bothered, but it's really important. Um, and they've they've essentially opened that up now to to the public. Um, so so essentially anyone can verify their account. You can go into settings, and there's kind of a um, a verification sort of section now. Um, and yeah, essentially they've they've set up a few categories. So you can say I'm an influencer, I'm a company, I'm a I'm an entertainment group, I'm a government official, for example. And then each category has a slightly different process. Um, so for example, if you're if you say that you're an influencer, you have to kind of provide proof, which could be in the form of like a news article where you've been mentioned. Obviously, if you're a journalist, then it might be something you've written yourself. Um, effectively they're you know they're stopping anyone from faking it um and saying that they're an influencer or a journalist when they're not um so i guess it's um to be seen how effective this will be um one interesting thing as well is that you, you'd probably expect it to be something like automated to some degree twitter have actually said they've opened up a new team who are dealing with these requests so partly maybe that they they want to make sure people don't slip through the net but um it might just take a little bit more time for those verifications to happen than than perhaps in an automated way um so yeah um that's an interesting one have you have you applied for your blue tick yet jack i haven't i don't know i'd have to go through all of the categories and figure out which one of them which one of them would maybe be the appropriate one i suppose i i mean it continues it, it validates my pre-existing opinion that twitter are sort of they're the ones making a lot of the smart moves and the moves that i feel just make sense at the minute like that point you made about accepting that you just sometimes you need a human to to verify something to just eyeball yeah the, the information i think is that it, it's true you know i i know having tried to sometimes design an algorithm or a, or a set of rules or a, a set of logic that you think is really airtight mm. that it, it doesn't always work the way you expect it to and sometimes you just need you need human judgment you need someone who you can come and ask you know why did you um, why did you do that? Um, and to have that person sort of list the reason. Um, so I think that's maybe one of the most sort of telling dynamics of this is, is the acceptance that actually they're, you know, to, to actually to make sure that the verification has some genuine weight. It's not sort of seen as something that's just thrown around. Yeah. I think that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess it'd be interesting to see how that that number of verified accounts kind of creeps up over time. Um, so yeah, and I think your your final story, Jack, is around Instagram and their recent experiment with um, hiding like counts. Yeah, so it, it turns out they've. I I read the article and I was surprised to see it's been as it's been quite as long because it when we were discussing this earlier we were saying you know it seems like that's been going on for a really long time yeah. and it. It's it's been two years that they've actually oh, been wow. testing this. They've been talking about so a really long time. The thing, the sort of outcome really of this is, you know, they've they've tried giving people the option. Well, they've tried just hiding it by default, and they sort of found actually that that was not effective at meaningful. It didn't sort of have a big enough impact on sort of changing the dynamic. So they're going to give people the option to hide it if they've like if they would like. That said, it's going to default, you know, the default settings of the app will um, will will kind of have it enabled as standard and there'll be something you can go into the settings and take off. I think it, it maybe follows on from the theme with Twitter that it can be tricky to create a rule that really works for everyone. And I think 
you know, there's there's a lot of questions when it comes to social media because it's become so ubiquitous in um, in society and it's so woven into kind of how information gets distributed and things that it's some of this is really tough and it, it into you know it mixes a lot with the way that the rest of the world operates and it can mm. be quite quite tricky um but yeah i think that it sounds like they've come to the right decision that you let the individual decide i think as far as marketers are concerned it could be a slightly irritating future i could see creators maybe hiding it mm. um deliberately to keep that information almost behind a wall maybe they'd want it public so that people can see how many likes they get but i think that could be an interesting dynamic in our in our part of the world in the sort of for, for marketers is trying to deal with you know what what do you do when likes are or aren't visible yeah um so i think that could be tricky are you going to be you can be hiding likes on on the insta or are you not that not that fussed about I'm- it I'm not too bothered to be honest personally like I see it as more of a kind of scrapbook of of memories and things like that but I think yeah it's interesting to see how companies deal with it I think certainly conversations I'm having with people I think some of the kind of marketing directors now are looking less at the numbers and more at who's engaging that's what they want to know about more Um, Mm. so who's sharing it who's maybe commenting is probably a bit more valuable now but I know that sometimes at the exact level they just want to see the numbers so I guess it might be an interesting shift of how we how we measure like reach and engagement online um, and, and, you know, what people will will have access to and won't have access to. It might shift that a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a tricky one to to work out. And I think, yeah, we'll, we'll have to decide. I feel the same way as you that that Instagram is kind of like a loose scrapbook. Yeah. Um, to occasionally just put just put any old thing. But you know neither of us have a large following and i don't know you know i, I i've never had that experience so i think worth worth considering it mm. um, yeah adam masseri said he got sort of very strong opinions on both sides you know some people going like think of the children you know you're you're kind of ruining their lives they, yeah. they're growing up in this pressurized world oxford university completed a, a 30 year study that suggested uh, maybe smartphones and social media have a little impact but it's it's not actually that big yeah a lot of it is is sort of wider societal changes so combined with the uh, frankly horrible experience of being a teenager (laughs) so yeah um, yeah jury's still out i think but to me feels like instagram comes to a sort of sensible sensible decision although Mm. um a very a very big one to spend two years on yeah absolutely quite a long long window well that's everything from this episode i hope everyone enjoys the content As always, there will be a bonus story, so do read the newsletter. And yeah, we will see you next month. Cheers, everyone.